kindergarten through fifth could be dismissed and zero to four years old for nursery. I'm going to start down here today. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can be turning to... and Jackson, you want to go to the slide before I get up there? The clicker's up there for me. But uh, If you can turn to Mark chapter 14, it's... Um, I almost asked, I almost went to people today and asked, like, could somebody read for me today? It's 30 verses, but we're going to read it all, so you get the context of the story where we're at with Jesus and disciples. Remember, they just left, or they're in Gethsemane, the garden, and Jesus just got done with praying, God's will be done. So that's where we're going to pick up the story, and then I'll pray for us. So if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 14, starting in 43. This is what it reads in the Gospel according to Mark. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests, the elders, and the teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. The chief priest and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days will build another not made with hands. Yet even then their testimony did not agree. Then the, the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses? He asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists, and said, Prophesy! And the guards took him and beat him 
While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Let's pray together. God, we come to you with humble hearts, humble minds. Right now we seek you, and we seek to know what you want us to learn from this passage. We seek to know you better. Help us to have open ears, open minds, willing hearts to listen to your Spirit today. To follow the leading of your Spirit, to go out into the world and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Lord, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey everything you've taught. We also think of those who may not be here today for whatever reason illness, sickness, limited mobility. I pray for those. Please put your hand of healing on them and comfort and peace. God, we thank you for many things. And one of them today, we remembered it, that you, your son, Jesus, was sent to this earth, lived a life and went to the cross for us. And yes, the simple words that we can say, Thank you, Jesus. It's in his wonderful name we pray. Amen. You see the title there, Gentleness of Jesus. Gentle hands is what we tell or have told our daughter before. We said gentle hands when she would touch faces, when she would touch arms, legs, she would touch them, she meant it in love, but we would always say, and I still remind her, gentle hands, don't use your nails. <laughs> gentle hands, that's what we remind our daughter of. Today, we're going to look at the gentleness of Jesus. The word gentle means this, you know I love definitions, I can't go probably a sermon without telling you a definition. But, the definition of gentle in the Merriam-Webster, probably the best dictionary there is, right? It says this, free 
from harshness, sternness, or violence. When we told our daughter, gentle hands, we were saying, don't be harsh with your hands. Don't be violent with your fingernails. Gentle. Free from harshness, sternness, or violence. And we're going to see the gentleness of Jesus in this passage. You may be thinking, I don't see it when you read it. I never saw the gentleness of Jesus in this passage. But I did when I was studying it. And I want to bring it to you. So we have three sections here. Okay, This is the outline of the passage. Number one, it's 43 to 52, the arrest of Jesus in the garden. Then you have the witness against Jesus. And then you have number three, the denial of Jesus. Those are the sections we're going to look at. And there's something about Jesus in each of those passages, the, the verses about gentleness. And we're going to look at the first one, the arrest of Jesus in the garden. And this one is, a gentle answer turns away wrath. You see that in the text. Ready? We read it, but look at it. Just as he was speaking. So remember, he was in the garden praying, and he prayed the third time, came back to his three disciples there, Peter, James, and John, and they were still sleeping. And then he said, enough, the hour's come. Look, my betrayer is coming. That's what we ended last time. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And then you see here, just as he was saying that, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. And he's surrounded with armed guards. They are with swords, clubs. And then there was a signal that Judas gave to them. He's like, I'm going to have a signal, and the one I kiss, that's the one you're going to arrest. That's the man you want, Jesus. So he gets to Jesus. He says, Rabbi. Remember, term rabbi, what does that mean? His teacher. A closeness. He says, Rabbi. And then he kissed Jesus. And the men seized Jesus and arrested him. And then what happens? One next to Jesus, another gospel writer says it's Peter, which I can agree with that one. <laughs> he was the one that always wanted to do something, right? Or say something. And G he drew the sword and he cut off the ear of one of the servants, high the servant of a high priest. Can you imagine getting your ear cut off by a follower of Jesus, the person you're there to arrest? In another gospel, now Mark doesn't tell this, but another gospel writer says Jesus healed the man's ear. I don't know if it was before he said what's next or after, but look what Jesus says, maybe after he just healed the ear of the servant's of the servant of the high priest. He says, am I leading a rebellion? That you have come with swords and clubs to capture me? Maybe this was meant for Peter too, saying, I've not come to do that, Peter. Every day I was with you in the temple courts teaching and you did not arrest me. But here's the gentle answer that Jesus gives. 
but the scriptures must be fulfilled. A simple, gentle answer. He says, these things have to happen. The scriptures must be fulfilled. A gentle answer turns away wrath because look what happens. The scriptures must be fulfilled. Then verse 50, then everyone deserted him and fled. There's no big fight. Peter wanted to do that. If it was Peter, I think it was. There's no fight between the disciples of Jesus and these guards that are coming with swords and clubs. It just says, Jesus says, but the Scriptures must be fulfilled and everyone deserted Him and fled. No big fight. Cool, this is what I said. This is my phrase, don't steal it. Cool, calm, and collected. Gentle was Jesus in this moment. He was just cool, calm, and collected. Gentle. The Scriptures must be fulfilled. Everyone flees and Jesus is just standing there. And then you get this insert. Most commentators and writers said, this is the most obscure verses I've ever read because it's a detail that you're like, what? It says, a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Most commentators, and I could agree with this one, most commentators say it's Mark inserting himself into the story. Doesn't mention his name. He just says a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment. The reason why they say it, it's possibly Mark, which I agree, is Mark's house, if you go to Acts, was used as a prayer meeting and Peter goes to Mark's mother's house after he gets out of prison and meets him there. And wrote of the servants like, Peter's at the door. I didn't let him in, but Peter's at the door. So that was Mark's mother's house. But Mark could possibly be putting himself in the story here. He's probably, most commentators say he's probably like 12 years old right now at this time. Following and then he runs away because they tried to seize him, but he just runs away leaving his garment behind. So if you didn't know that detail now, now you can think about that. Mark's just inserting himself into the story, very humbly here, saying, even I deserted Jesus. I fled. So you have that gentle answer turns away wrath, but the Scriptures must be fulfilled. So gentle. Then you have the witness. So they arrest him. Now they bring him before the high priest. And all the chief priests and elders and the teachers come together. And Peter followed him at a distance. Okay, Peter follows him. He fled. But now he's coming back to see what Jesus is going to be put through. And he sits and warms himself. The chief priests, they, they have witnesses here that could you imagine there's like, I don't know how many witnesses there were. But did you notice those phrases they said? The writer Mark here says, they te were, uh, many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. 
Somebody said one thing, somebody said another, somebody said another, somebody said another, and they didn't agree. They were all different. So I would have been like, what is going on here? As a high priest, like, you don't even agree with yourself. Amongst yourselves. And then stood up, gave false testimony. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple. And three days we'll build another not made with hands. And then verse 59 again. Yet even then, their testimony did not agree. High priest is probably thinking, what? You're bringing these witnesses, these testimonies against Jesus, but all of them don't agree. And then... You see 61 there, Jesus remained silent, gave no answer. What a gentle answer there, right? And then it goes on, the high priest asks, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And here's the gentleness of Jesus, okay? A gentle answer turns the focus to the future. Jesus says, Remember, he just was asked, are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus' gentle answer focuses toward the future. Look what it says. I am. I am the Messiah. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. I am who you said you're asking. But he's focusing on the future. He's pointing toward the future. Go to Acts chapter 1 with me. This is the writer Luke, and he has this account. He writes this in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 9. Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. So this is Jesus after He's risen from the dead. He's before His ascension. He's talking to His disciples. And then this happens. After He said this, Jesus was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid Him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as He was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. There's another one. Just as he's taken, just as he ascended into the cloud, he's going to come back. The same way he came, went up, he's going to come back down. Does that sound similar to what Jesus just said? I'm the Messiah. You will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One coming on the clouds of heaven. Then you go to 1 Thessalonians. Paul's writing here. First Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 16. And there's another one about the future Jesus coming back. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and following. It says this, For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds 
to meet the Lord in the air, and you, so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Do you think Jesus knew what was coming in the future? I'm going to come in the clouds of heaven, on the clouds of heaven. He tells the high priest. So this answer is a, a gentle answer, turns the focus to the future. Yes, at the present time, Jesus is going to go through some hard times, but he's focusing on what's coming. What a gentle answer turns the focus to the future. Then you have the denial of Jesus. The denial of Jesus. Now, Mark has a way of writing, if you didn't notice already. It says, while Peter was below in the courtyard, okay, go back to the first part of the Peter when he comes back in the scene. Remember verse 54, it says, Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. So Peter's... This section is before, I believe, Jesus is doing this before the high priest. This is like while it's going on or something. It's during that time. It's not right after Jesus is uh, witnessed against and all that. I think it's happening back in, chapter, in verse 54 at the same time here. So it says this, While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls said, Hey, you were with that Nazarene Jesus. You were with him. And he denied it. And the servant girl, after Peter went to the entryway, he said, the, the servant girl said, this fellow is one of them. And again, he denied it. And then after a little while, he's standing there and they said, hey, surely you are one of them. You are a Galilean. And then he denied it again. This time, though, he's calling down like curses and he's swearing like, I don't know the guy Jesus that you're talking about. He's calling down curses and swore at them. And then immediately, what happens? The rooster crowed the second time. And I'm going to bring in another gospel writer because it's important. The gospel of Luke writes this. Now, Luke is, is getting his account. He wants to get a detailed account. He's, he's looked it over. He wants to write this account. Um, I watched a movie recently, and it was about the, the early church in Acts, and they had Mark in the story and Luke in the story, and they meet together before they depart and uh, go on their journeys again. And Mark says this to Luke. He said, have you seen, or Luke says to Mark, have you written anything down about Jesus? Like that I can have and write down in mind too and we can kind of collaborate a little bit. And you know what Mark says to Luke? Luke says, I'm getting my stuff from Peter. He's short and snappy. He's just going to say what's on his mind and I'll write that down. Short and snappy. Luke says, I'm going to write this detailed, longer account. So Mark's a little shorter than Luke. Luke's a little longer. I, I laughed at that scene because I'm like, yes, I see it. Mark's just like... Remember the go, go, go gospel? But in Luke, it says this. In Luke chapter 22, so this is a gentle answer helps us remember. And look what the gospel of Luke says. It says, The Lord turned and looked 
straight at Peter. No words. He looks straight at Peter. And then, I believe this is where the Gospel of Mark verse says, then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. A gentle answer helps us remember. And this answer from Jesus wasn't a word. It was just a look. He looks at Peter. And then Peter remembers what Jesus said to him. Warren Wearsby in his commentary said this, It was not the crowing of the cock that convicted Peter. It wasn't the crowing of the rooster. It was the remembering of Christ's words. So Jesus, I just picture this gentle look from Jesus because Jesus obviously knew Peter did deny him three times. And he just looks at Peter with that gentleness. And then just because of that gentle look, Peter remembered what Jesus spoke to him. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And then what, does, what happens? The very last phrase, sentence of this section, and he broke down and wept. Peter broke down and wept. If you have the New King James Version, it says this, and when Peter thought about it, he wept. If you have the Holman Christian Standard Version, it says this, when Peter thought about it, he began to weep. Jesus looks at him with the gentleness only Jesus could have at that moment, Peter sees Jesus look at him. He remembers what Jesus said to him. You're going to deny me three times. He thought about it. And then he just starts to weep because of what he's done. And while you're turning to 2 Peter, I think, no, I believe Jesus, I believe Peter learned from Jesus about gentleness and the gentleness of God and the gentleness of Jesus. Because look what he writes in 2 Peter chapter 3. This is one of the most, I think the most, uh, one of the most verse, verses, passages that I like to go to about understanding the gentleness of God, the gentleness of Jesus, and what the Godhead is all about. Look what Peter writes, and he understands this because he denies Jesus three times. He remembers what Jesus told him. It happens. He weeps because of thinking about that. And then we'll learn later, you know, Peter's going to be one of the, the best preachers ever, winning people to Christ. Because he broke down and wept and made a change. Okay? And, Pete, and Jesus says, hey Peter, you're going you're gonna to do some mighty things. And look what Peter writes. And this is just the gentleness of Jesus or the gentleness of God because Jesus is God. 
Peter says this, 2 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. And I just could imagine Peter remembering his denial and remembering God didn't give up on me. Look what he says. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the, day, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient, I'll add gentle with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Peter breaks down and weeps because of his denial of Jesus. And we'll see in the Gospel of Mark coming up, and Peter's going to be not left alone. Jesus is with him, and Jesus says, you're probably going to do some mighty things, Mark, or Peter. I haven't given up on you, even though you denied me three times. The gentleness of God, the gentleness of Jesus, His answer here helps us to remember. Do you remember the time you, were, you said yes to Jesus? You're just like, I'm a sinner. I can only be saved by one person, and that name is Jesus. Some of us probably weeped, maybe. Some of us broke down and said, I can't do it on my own anymore. But Jesus says, and God's Word says, He wants everyone to come to repentance. That to me is like, put it on a billboard, put it on a, a plaque in your house so everybody that comes to your house reads it. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but come to repentance. Jesus The gentleness. We learned it today. What do we learn? Gentle answer turns away wrath. The scriptures must be fulfilled. Arrest me. Do what you want with me. It has to be fulfilled. A gentle answer turns the focus not on the present, but the future. Don't focus on the present, Jesus is saying. What's coming is far greater than what's happening now. I'm doing this for a reason. And then a gentle answer helps us remember. Those three things from Jesus, let's learn from them. Because look at this. The Hebrew writer says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. Jesus is gentle. He is free from harshness, sternness, or violence. Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Look what Jesus himself says, For I am gentle and humble in heart. You can come to me because I'm gentle. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Will Thompson wrote this text and it fits so fittingly because it's, a, it's such a gentle invitation 
that probably Jesus would say. It says this. Well, Jesus is in the, in the Word, so. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling for you. Somebody's calling. See, Jesus is calling. <laughs> now, if you don't respond to this, <laughs> come on. I didn't plan that, okay? <laughs> Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See, on the portals, He's waiting and watching. Watching for you and for me. He's calling even on that phone right now. Come home. Come home. You who are weary. Are you weary? I am. Come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling. Oh, sinner. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Peter was a sinner. Calling, O sinner, come home. Jesus is gentle. And God says, I am gentle. I'm patient. I want everybody, everybody out there, everybody in the world to what? Come home to repent. I'm gentle. I'm going to welcome you home, Jesus says. That's why we go to the cross. We say, Jesus, you are the Savior. We get in that watery grave because that picture is what? We're dead to our sinful life, our old way of life, and we're raised to what? Not our old life anymore. We're raised to a new life, and that's what this song is all about. Come, oh, come home. Jesus, not me, I'm not. Jesus is tenderly calling, O sinner, come to me. Don't go another day. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and I just had a funeral on Friday here, and I spoke truth, I said, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Him will never die. And I asked the question, just like Jesus says, He asked the question to His friends and the people listening. He says, do you believe this? And I'll leave you with that. Do you believe that Jesus is the Savior? Let's pray. God, This isn't a joke, but I don't know if you were calling on that phone. But if you were, in that moment, I pray that somebody is touched. All I can say is thank you, Jesus. Amen.